And that's sort of, I guess, what it means to be Australian is helping your mate. I actually managed to overtake a grey nomad at 40k an hour. I went around them at jogging speed. Two two one. We have a young lady unconscious. Topic approach 1320. Hi, I'm Lana Mitchell from the Royal Flying Doctor Service, and this is a podcast series about mateship, about life in the bush, and about the role that the Royal Flying Doctor Service plays in servicing rural communities. This is the Flying Doctor Podcast. More or less, I chose to support the flying doctors because of all the good they do. It's a nice feeling knowing no matter where you are, no matter how badly you stuff up, they're always going to be there for you. In the years I've been with the RFDS, I've always been struck by the passion and dedication of those that help the RFDS do its job. As a national health charity, the RFDS gets about one-third of its budget from the federal government, about one-third from local state governments, and the remaining third comes from the generous supporters and communities all over the country. Corporate partnerships, donations, philanthropic contributions and bequests are all really important and help us to deliver health services to remote locations. Passionate fundraisers for the RFDS have long provided a stream of ingenious, creative and unusual ways to garner a few dollars. Pig races, wacky haircuts, sausage sizzles, cupcakes, long-distance car rallies, you name it. In this episode, I interview an 18-year-old, Sam Hughes, who decided when he was in Year 10 that when it came time for his gap year after Year 12, he wanted to travel around Australia and raise money for charity. This 14,500-kilometre journey has been really well planned out and is, without question, eye-catching, as he's driving a 1957 Chamberlain 9G tractor with a boat on top as a canopy and towing a trailer with a motorbike and a car inside and a plane on top of that. I'm not kidding. G'day, Sam. Hey, Lana. How are you? I'm good. Oh, look. I've got so many questions, but first of all, let's learn a little bit about you. Tell me about your upbringing. Did you always live in Mullaney? Um, I was brought up in Mullaney and Brisbane. Um, we've got the property at Mullaney, almost 300 acres on the, up on the sunny coast of Red Angus beef cattle. I went to school down in Brisbane, so I spent most of my schooling life down there, but I always thought that Mullaney was more home. It's a beautiful part of the world there. What gave you the idea to travel around Australia raising money for charity? Did someone influence you? I always like helping people. Apparently I'm too helpful sometimes, which can be a bit of a pain for some people. But um, And I've always wanted to do a charity run since I was little because I just like the idea of it, you know, helping others help them. And I just thought, well, if you're going to do a charity run, you've got to do something that's going to catch people's eye because it'll raise more money for the charities. And I was thinking... I could do this trip in an old truck because I had an old Blitz World War Two sort of truck lined up beforehand. But in the end, I sort of went, people drive trucks every day. It's not every day you see a tractor on the road, well, especially up west you do, but, you know, closer you don't. And so it's sort of just built from this idea of you'll just do a little trip from, say, Mullaney to Toowoomba. And then as the uh, expenses that I put on the tractor went up and as the uh, – <laughs> As more planning went into it, it went from just to Toowoomba to uh, southeast Queensland to Queensland and then eventually to Australia. 
which is where we are today, up here in Rocky. I haven't left Queensland yet, but we're getting there. So where did you get the idea to support the RFDS? Do you, have you been transported by the RFDS or do you have friends who have? Oh, I'm lucky enough to have not been transported by the RFDS as yet, touch wood. Um, <laughs> but I know a few people that have been transported by them, but at, more or less I chose to support the Flying Doctors because of all the good they do because they're a really nice, it's a nice feeling knowing no matter where you are, no matter how badly you stuff up, they're always going to be there for you. And accidents happen. That's why they're called accidents. And they can be at the most unpredictable times. They can be on holidays in the middle of the night. And doesn't matter what time or where, you know that the flying doctors are always going to be there to help you if you need it. That's why I chose to support the flying doctors. You have a mate who had an incident or a run-in with an ant nest. Yes, or a tree stump. He does not know to this day what he hit because I don't think he even saw the ground, let alone anything else. But he decided he wanted to do, I think, 120k an hour is what he clocked on the speedo before he hit whatever he hit. He was either on a quad bike or a motorbike, I can't remember which one. And let's just say I think he broke every bone in his body and he would have died if the flying doctors didn't fly him out. And for me, that was sort of a further pushing me towards the flying doctors, knowing that a man mine would have died had you guys not been there to save him. As you've travelled around doing your fundraising, um, so so far you've been on the road for about three months. About that. Have you run into people that tell you stories about the RFDS? Oh, every, every town I go through. Everyone has a story about them and everyone who makes a donation, because I've, I think I've raised almost $10,000 so far for the RFDS, um, everyone who puts the money in the tin has a story to tell. And I love listening to them because... It could be something as simple as, oh, you know, I broke my leg riding in a bull catcher and they flew me out or even something more like on Christmas Day I went in the, into labour, something like that. Both are stories I've heard so far and within the story it always ends good with, you know, flying doctors flew me out. In fact, even yesterday um, I just mount, I've just mounted a crane on the roof of the trailer next to the plane and the welder who did it, he um, at Walkabout Welding here in Rocky, he basically went, yeah, I had a mate who passed away in a gyrocopter accident last year around Christmas and the flying doctors were the first ones to get to him and they gave him the best care they could. But wow. he said that they were the only ones who were able to get there on scene that quickly to the remote area where he had the accident. Yeah, I understand. Everyone has a story. So why a tractor, a trailer, a motorbike, a boat, a plane – and now a crane. <laughs> well, it's a bit interesting because, like I said earlier, it, it originally started with me just wanting to do a tractor trip. And the reason I chose a tractor in the end was because I've sort of made my living or little hobby thing mucking around buying and selling tractors since I was about 14. Uh, I bought my first tractor when I was 14. I saved up for about a year and little $1,000 one because pulling logs around on the farm and anyone who's ever tried to pull a log with a quad bike knows that it doesn't end well. Uh, so I wanted a little tractor with three-point linkage to lift it up. Anyway, so I bought that little tractor and paid a grand for it. And mum, dad said for the sake of the marriage, I had to get rid of the thing because uh, mum was worried I was going to knock myself off on it. So I was a bit sad about it, but I put it up for three grand as a joke and I sold it the next day. So I sort of went, that worked, I'll do that again. So I've done that for a couple of years and I worked out that I was going to do this trip on a tractor 
because I can work with tractors. I know people who have parts for them. I can do some basic mechanical things myself with them, unlike on a car. And it just worked. And it sort of evolved from the tractor itself, which was going to be originally a little Massey Ferguson, to a Chamberlain, to a better Chamberlain, which is the one I currently have, uh, having a little trailer to a slightly bigger trailer. Then I put the boat on the roof just so I could have some more versatility in my setup. Uh, got a little motorbike just so I could get around as well. Uh, it had to be under 50cc though for a car licence. And then it sort of went, well, the trailer's this big and if I ever need to get anywhere in a hurry, for instance, say an emergency or something, um, I better pack a car. <laughs> so I got the smallest, lightest four-wheel drive I could find, a little Suzuki Sierra, chucked it in the trailer, built the living quarters around it. The front of the trailer's got all the fridges and everything in it. And, um, yeah, and eventually we put the plane on the roof as a flying doctor plane. That's ingenious. Uh, I, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find another 18-year-old who's managed to put together what you've put together. Now, what do people say when they see you driving along? Because I, I presume you don't go very fast. What's the highest speed you travel? Well, I tell everyone my cruising speed's about 35k an hour. Um, I can punch it and do about 45, but things start falling off, which isn't exactly beneficial on the highway. Um, but, yeah, I do about 35k an hour for cruise speed. And what do people say when they see you and they, with the, I mean, you are, you've even got a Facebook page where, you know, you're using the hashtag traveling jackaroo. Uh, What comments are you getting? Um, Well, as far as what people say, I don't think I can say it on the podcast because it would be considered obscene, but you get very good at mouth, seeing people through a car window mouth, a four letter word that starts with what the, Um, (laughs) but as far as, People commenting, though, I've had a huge amount of support on social media with it. Um, Everywhere you go, there's always people to welcome you, every town you go into. I've even had people drive hundreds of Ks. One fellow drove 200 Ks to come meet me and shake my hand and put a donation in the Flying Doctor and the Dolly's Dream Tin. And then he was on his way another few hours back home. Everywhere you go to, you get huge amounts of support and it's really quite warming. As I mentioned earlier, this podcast has been made possible with the support of Isuzu Ute Australia. Having reliable vehicles is imperative in the harsh Australian outback, and Isuzu have provided D-Max Utes and MUX SUVs to pull seven large RFDS flight simulators as they engage in school, community and field day activities for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. These simulators are full-size planes, minus the wings, and the Isuzu D-MAX and MUX vehicles are a perfect match for the long-distance heavy towing demands of these RFDS simulators right across Australia. So keep an eye out for them as they travel around each state, and we would love to see photos and locations on our Flying Doctor podcast community Facebook page when you see them. do you think it's going to take you to do this trip? Oh, I'd like to say a year or two, but I don't really know, to be honest, because originally this trip was only supposed to take me a year, as the term gap year implies. But as the trip's sort of gone on, it's sort of um, 
become very apparent to me that it won't be in a year because if it was, I would I should be just about in Darwin by now, which I certainly am not. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to take a, probably I'd say two years to complete. And how do you earn your keep as you go? You're doing odd jobs and. What, what are you doing? Um, basically, I work on stations along the way to help earn my keep because I've got a lot of sponsors to help with fuel and things that have come on board, which is a huge thanks, especially to Savvy Trek. They're a safety blanket manufacturer. They do some wonderful, wonderful work, um, and they've sponsored quite a bit of my fuel. Um, the dog, the, one of the most ironic things about sponsorship, though, is that my dog's food is actually sponsored, but mine isn't. So... <laughs> Oh, hold on. You've mentioned the dog. Yes. So her name's Bitsa, correct? Yes. Bitsa is a rescue pup from the Charleville Pound. She more or less came along after, you know, it had been on the road for about two months. I was getting a little bit lonely and I went, oh, every man needs a dog. So basically <laughs> I actually got her as well because i just broken up with my ex and so everyone, you know, feels a bit like that. Every country song will tell you after a man's wife or something leaves him, he gets a flaming dog. Uh, <laughs> so, so is Bitsa filling that hole for you? Oh, that's a word of phrasing that I wouldn't use, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> might lead some people who are a bit dirty-minded to think certain things, but she is... No, but she's she's keeping you company. Oh, yeah, she's a beagle cross Kelpie cross. We have no idea. We think her, her bitch may have slept around a little bit because she's got a million and one things in her. Um, but we worked out she has a bit of Kelpie and a bit of beagle, which is a very weird mix. Yeah. That dog can fart like you wouldn't believe. Okay. So tell me, how do you, um, as you're travelling around uh, slowly, 35 kilometres an hour and then doing station work here and there to earn your keep and keep some money in your pocket, um, how do you raise money? Do you shake a tin? Do you attend local events? Or what do you do to raise awareness and to involve the communities? A bit of all of the above because I do have donation tins on me and they're the most common method I use. Uh, Flying Doctors, Dolly Stream and Wedding on Drought Angels, but they provide links on the Facebook page of Travelling Jackaroo. Uh, people long distance away usually donate through that, but whenever I go to communities, I'm actually following the show circuit at the moment uh, along the coast, which basically means I'm following all the agricultural shows. Uh, that works especially well because when you follow the shows, there's always people that come to them and it's sort of a lot easier to be there and set up the tractor and I can do the whole setup and everything and people can come to that than me driving around the streets all day. Absolutely. So do you have any stories that have really made you laugh, been unexpected and surprised you? I've met so many interesting people along the trip, so many interesting people, and they all have stories to tell, but in my personal experience driving on the road, there is one incident that sticks in my mind that I always tell people and it always makes them laugh. So when I'm driving down the road, as you can imagine, I do 35k an hour on a highway in a 110 zone. Normally you don't have issues because cars and motorbikes, they go right around you. But you don't, I don't even notice them as much anymore, despite the fact I look in my rearview mirror more than I look in the front. Um, trucks, you call them over the radio. I'm always on Channel 40, so you talk to them, no worries, around they go. But the one thing that scares me the most, and they, I can't say this because they, they are amazing people. Some of the nicest people on the road are grey nomads. But at the same time, you meet some absolute terrors driving the tractor, um, especially with ones with swaying caravans. But the interesting thing is the best part of the trip so far, and it would be the proudest moment of my entire trip, I reckon it will be till the very end, 
is I actually managed to overtake a grey nomad. At 40k an hour, I punched it and I went around them at jogging speed on the flat. (laughs) I was so shocked by it, I didn't get my phone out and record it. I am so sad that I did not because their eyes looked like saucers, like dinner plates when I went past. Yeah, I bet they did. I bet they did. Do you think this journey is changing your attitude on life and on the country? Oh, definitely. Because the furthest west I'd ever been, I think, before I did this trip was Roma or just just, um, south of Roma somewhere. I'm trying to remember. It was when I was very young. But the, other than that, just King Roy and that. So I hadn't gone far north or far west at all. And the thing you notice is the further west you go, the nicer the people get. And it's, you know, you can walk down the street out here and say day, and someone will say day back. Do that in Brisbane and they'll look at you as though you're trying to stab them, which is a very interesting ter- phrase of terminology. But, um, yeah, it's the further west you go, the nicer the people get. And that's... It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting comment on Australian culture and how as you go further and further uh, into the bush, uh, people become more and more relaxed and maybe not as maybe not as uh, stressed or as um, a little bit more welcoming to anybody that comes along. I just think it's because people out here know how to help each other. If you need, if a mate of yours needs a hand for muster or something, you come give him a hand. And, you know, you don't expect anything from it. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of... I guess what it means to be Australian is helping your mate. It's true. I think you're right. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I am sure that many over the next several months, if not a year or more, will see you with your tractor, your boat, (laughs) your trailer, your car, your motorbike and your plane. (laughs) And the crane and the bicycle. And the crane and the bicycle and the bitsa. And the bitsa and the dog (laughs) crate hanging off the back. I think many are going to see you on your journey. And as I said at the very beginning, uh, there's so many different creative ways that people raise money for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. And and I just want to say thank you for all you're doing and I wish you all the best on your journey. Thank you, Lana. I hope you have a great day and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Sam. Cheers. The Flying Doctor Podcast was presented by me, Lana Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast please share it with someone who you think will love it too. Thank you for listening to the Flying Doctor Podcast. Before I head off, I just want to thank one last time our sponsor and major national partner, Isuzu Ute Australia. Isuzu is committed to supporting the communities in which the RFDS operates, and this podcast would not be possible without their support. To learn more, search Isuzu Ute online.